so yeah, I think us watching this show is amazing in the sense that we actually see that things go uphill, downhill, and that it's real. Like you can still end up at the end of it all feeling great about yourself and no longer insecure. Ha ha ha. I, for one, hope you are doing phenomenal. I'm your host, Jalen, and welcome back to Retrospection Connection, where we take a more critical look back at TV and movies that left their mark on us in a formative moment of our lives. Allow me to serve as your guide as we take a look back at today's chosen piece of media. Have you ever watched a movie or a TV show and just thought, wow, whoever made this just gets it? I could be wrong, but I feel like that's kind of rare. To capture a particular feeling or concept is one thing, and it should absolutely be praised when it's done exceptionally well. But there are a few pieces of media that can do so in such a seemingly effortless, unforced way. In this episode of Retrospection Connection, I had the privilege of talking with my homegirl, Alexa, about one such piece of media, HBO's 2016 hit comedy, Insecure. Creator and starring actress Issa Rae deserves her flowers and so much more for so geniusly interpreting the thoughts, humor, expressions of love, and culture of so many Black folks, many of whom wouldn't hesitate to deem it a modern classic. I'm so grateful to have spoken with Alexa about this show, addressing the themes of friendship, being present, remaining true to your roots, and a few other things here and there. You'll have to listen to find out. Of course, follow Retrospection Connection on Instagram at Retrospection Connection. Enjoy. Why, hello there, everyone. I am joined by one of the sweetest, most kind, most funny, most insightful people that I've ever met. And that's putting it lightly, if I have to say so myself. We go back a little bit of ways at this point, which is a trip to think about, but I'll allow you to tell the audience a little bit more about our journey together. So would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Oh my God. That is maybe the best introduction to anything I've ever had. (laughs) So thank you, Jalen. That was so sweet. I'm Alexa, Jalen's friend from college. We met each other during our orientation. And we were really close our first year. And then, you know, life happened. We kind of drifted. But we ended up being apartment mates our last year of college. And I swear, every time I spoke to Jalen, it was like, I never stopped talking to him. So we used to sit down on our couch, like watch movies, TV shows, have full discussions like this. I'm so excited to sit down and talk with you today. It's such a great full circle moment. It's totally a full circle moment. And I guess it's becoming a recurrent theme of of this show for me is like reaching out and communicating with people that, you know, maybe it's been a little while or we've had periods where we're less in contact or more. And I just think it's firstly just super cool that I get to use this show as a means to like reconnect with people. 
But I think it's also really connected to the piece of media that we're going to be talking about today, Insecure, which is a lot about friendship and the ebbs and flows that come with that sort of dynamic. So I think it's just very timely that we're getting back together and talking about probably one of our favorite shows collectively. It's a shame that we never watched it together when we were living together, right? I know. Yeah, I don't think we... We might have watched like a couple episodes of the fifth season, but I don't think we had like a sit-down discussion once we both finished. So this will be great. I'm super excited. Me too. Yay. (laughs) So before we get into the actual reason why we're here, which is talking about Issa Rae's Insecure, I always like to ask my guest, firstly, just more generally, how would you describe your relationship to popular culture and popular media growing up? Yeah, I would say I'm pretty well-versed and, and with the times when it comes to popular culture. I think it's it's unique because I am always aware, but I don't always follow every trend or subscribe to every trend or agree with every trend, but I definitely am in the know. I've been like a on Twitter girl forever on Vine <laughs> and all that stuff. So I feel like I've had a well-rounded understanding of just what's going on around the world. Well, I'm curious, why do you think that's important to you? Or is it important to you? And I ask because you're somebody that I do see is like very plugged in and knows what's going on just generally in pop culture and media. And I've had guests on that are very much not that sort of person and are a lot less inclined to take part in those spaces. So like, what for you makes that a priority? That's a good question. I think, honestly, I just I love knowing what's going on. I love knowing things. I love using what I know to connect with people. I think that's my favorite part of popular culture. Like if you are in the know, it's always nice to talk to someone else who maybe has the same feelings about a certain topic. Like for example, today I was talking to a coworker about reality TV and and we connected on that. So just being able to talk with folks and share those experiences, knowing what's going on. I totally get where you're coming from. And I think That's a part of why I gravitate towards like studying and just like being in that world of popular media. I realized, especially in doing this podcast, that I like having a sort of like thing, quote unquote. And I guess I found that like my thing is liking this sort of stuff and wanting to have conversations about it. So I I definitely hear what you're saying there. With all of that being said, I do want to get into the themes of insecure concepts, elements, things that you really latched onto, and some of the history of it, how it sits in context to other shows and movies that came out somewhere around the time of its airing. But firstly, I think it's important to set the stage for why you are connected to insecure, why you fell in love with it, how you became aware of the show. Walk us through that whole history, because I think it'll give us some good context for the rest of our conversation. I found out about Insecure pretty late in the game, actually. I think when they had already released or recently released their fourth season. But I found out about the show over the pandemic. So I remember I was actually going through a very similar breakup that Issa did in the first season of the show. Just gotten out of a relationship that was like four or five years long. And during the pandemic, I figured I'd just binge watch the show. Like I've heard of it, but never really took the time to watch it. So sat down, watched it. And immediately, first episode, I was like, I didn't know that I needed this or that 
a TV show can express the same emotion that I'm feeling right now. So I really felt a connection when like learning about Issa and Lawrence and their breakup. That's kind of how I got introduced to the show, which is kind of crazy. But ever since that like first episode, especially that whole first season, I've just been hooked. I binge watched it during the pandemic. I think I watched it like a second time. And then once it got released for their fifth season, I've just been hooked ever since. Likewise. Yeah, I think I started watching the show around the onset of the pandemic too. I don't know if you can relate, but I definitely remember feeling like just this weird dissonance because like, we were all just locked up in the house. I think I was in like a dorm at the time. <laughs> but it's like, we're watching this show when they're in like season four at the time. And they're just like living life, being outside and doing all the normal human stuff. Like media at that time was so confusing. Because like, I just wanted so desperately to like be in those situations where we didn't have to worry about breathing next to each other. And so, like, I remember that being such a fun period of, like, watching shows for me because it was, like, an escape for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I really feel like the reason why I got into the show was the breakup. And in that first season, obviously, you see Issa learn how to be single again. That dissonance, I felt so real in that because I was like, great, you know, this new experience. I, I see Issa doing all these great things or just learning how to be on her own again. And I'm inside. <laughs> so I totally feel that dissonance of like, ah, it's great to watch. But also like, I also want to live my life right now. And then I feel like locking into media was huge during the time. Yeah. I mean, there was really no other outlet to do much of anything or imagine yourself anywhere. Because if you did, there was a very real risk of some bad things happening to you. I think it's interesting, though, that we both came into appreciating this show at that time because really at the core of it i would characterize it as like a pretty down-to-earth show i wouldn't really view it as something to like aspire to necessarily but that's that's a conversation that we can maybe get into a little bit later but before we get too far into things i always like to read out a description of the show from wikipedia so that I can get your take on whether it feels like a complete read of what the show has to offer or if you think it's missing anything. All right, so I'm going to read it. Insecure unpacks the story of the Black female experience from the perspective of two female protagonists, Issa and Molly, who have been best friends with each other since their college days at Stanford. Both in their late 20s, they navigate career and relationship experiences while living in their hometown of South Los Angeles, California. The two share a close bond and throughout the show, they deal with internal struggles, their friendship, and the African-American community. Issa works at a nonprofit that benefits middle school age students of color called We Got Y'all. She struggles to reignite the passion in her relationship with her long-term boyfriend, Lawrence, who has been slacking in their relationship since his startup company failed. Molly is a corporate attorney who has career success but difficulty with dating men. The half-hour series explores the social and racial issues that relate to the contemporary American experience. All right, now with all of that being said, does it feel like a good look at what the show has to offer, at least at the beginning? Talk to me about your thoughts on the synopsis. Yeah, I would definitely say at the beginning. I mean, I think the overview is spot on in the sense that the show is really about Molly and Issa and, and their lives and their relationship. But oh gosh, does it not even touch on season two, three, and four? But We'll get into it. I'm excited. I think the first part was great. 
Well, let's hop right into it. In the preparation for this episode, we sort of did a quick rundown of themes or ideas that we want to talk about when we're actually recording. And the first thing that I think either of us wanted to talk about, which is a huge topic, but we're going to try to parse through it all right now, is the dating life of both Issa and Molly and how their romantic ideals and aspirations both evolve, sometimes in similar ways to one another and sometimes in very different ways, and really how that impacts their relationship as friends at times too, which I found really interesting. But that seemed to be for you in particular a theme that you really latched on to. You said that you were going through a similar breakup at the start of the pandemic, and that's a part of the reason why you connected to the show so much. So talk to me about your perception of both Issa and Molly's love lives on the show, how you felt like you maybe saw yourself reflected in their different romantic storylines. Let's go from there. I think the show does a really great job at showcasing the very two different dating lives of Issa and Molly. You know, obviously we know Issa is like the awkward black girl character. You know, she she's coming out of such a long relationship, which is so different than from what Molly's experiencing who, you know, has been single, things like that. So I definitely feel like the show does a really great job at capturing just different experiences when it comes to dating and relationships, like Issa trying to have her like hot girl summer phase during, I, I don't know, season three, and then all the like unconventional things that happened when it came to like Lawrence and Condola, even Dro and Molly. That I totally forgot about that when I rewatched it. I was like, does this happen in real life? But I think the fact that this show shows all these different scenarios that you wouldn't even imagine, or at least in a TV show or like a movie that don't really get shown much, is also to what kind of connects me to the show because it just feels so real. It takes dating to, I guess, a whole nother level or just shows that showcase dating to a whole nother level. It really allows the audience to connect with it. That was my just initial take with understanding how their relationships are portrayed. I think the show tried to give a really full scope of what it means to be in these sorts of relationships. And it wasn't just the typical, uh, what's the phrase, nuclear set up where it's like the man and the woman you know what i mean like molly is dating a man that's in a marriage and the marriage is open so it's not like a secret necessarily but that's a relationship that's presented to us and it's complicated and it's messy and the show never really shies away from that which i think is really cool and it didn't feel like for the sake of drama there was drama for sure but it, it didn't feel like that was the core of why that story was being told. And I think that's something that differentiates the show from a lot of its contemporaries that kind of just show drama for the sake of it. Oh, definitely. I was going to mention, too, that I think the emotions that you experience when dating, whether it be like, you know, situationships that they had, like one night stands, like, I feel like that's portrayed so well. And that's why, like, you know, obviously the, the unconventional parts of relationships come up in the show and they show up amazing. But I think the reason why the show is so successful in, in these themes is just how, like you said, how broad of a scope it is, but also to how they 
touch on so many weird emotions that don't necessarily make sense. Like, I don't know how people would feel if they were in Molly's situation with Drew, but I also felt a little bit of a connection to it because I'm like, oh my gosh, I felt like that when I was in a situation or some, you know, some other instance in life. So I don't know, just their ability to portray that, but also like elicit emotion, at least for me, that kind of like connectedness you don't always get in shows. So I appreciated that for sure. Oh, yeah. I felt like intimately connected to both of the central characters, Molly and Issa, and all that they were going through. You know what I mean? I was happy when they were happy. I felt sad and depressed when they were sad and depressed. I feel like we went on that roller coaster with them. Now, you mentioned towards the beginning that you connected to Issa on the level of, you know, you both were going through a major breakup after years of being with someone. Outside of that specific context, I feel like viewers of the show usually fell into two camps, both relationship-wise and just generally. It's like you're either Issa or you're Molly. Similar to how with Sex and the City, you're either Charlotte, Carrie, Miranda, or Samantha. On a smaller level, you'd either be Issa or Molly. So where do you feel like you fit in? Or are you a hybrid of the two when it comes to your romantic trajectory and the way that you approach things? Definitely at first, I was like, oh, I'm so Issa. Totally awkward. Also, obviously, just the shared experience. But I think as we see Molly progress throughout the seasons, you know, she's super independent. She's super independent. She's very particular. You know, she has really high standards for herself, which I can totally resonate with because sometimes I get a bit nitpicky or, or whatever the case is, or just not as empathetic as, say, maybe Issa was towards Lawrence or, or you know, Issa would have been toward other folks that she had a romantic relationships with. But yeah, I think I'm definitely a, a good mix of both, even when it comes to just their personalities in general. Issa, like I said, awkward black girl, but Molly is so type A. She's also super personable and like out there, which I have my share of both, especially with the whole inward self-talk, Issa talking in the mirror. I definitely have those moments where I am just hyping myself up, like having that internal self-talk but also there's moments where I feel like I'm girl blossoming like Molly so I would say I'm pretty I'm pretty split 50 50 if I would say just personality wise yeah that's interesting because I feel like for me speaking explicitly in terms of romance I would consider myself more of a Molly I guess I can be very particular about what I'm looking for, and sometimes to a fault, if I'm being entirely honest. And that was really one of Molly's core struggles in the show. And you see her over the course of five seasons unlearn some sometimes unhelpful habits or expectations that she sets out for her partners that she's dating throughout the show. And I don't know, I'm a lot younger than Molly, quite a few years younger than where she's at at the start of the show even. But I see a lot of myself and the way that I approach relationships through her. And so it was interesting to watch the show and be like, hmm, do I be doing that? Because low-key I do. Maybe I should check it because I know this is a show, but I've seen this happen in my real friends' lives. You know, like being too nitpicky about how tall a person is or what their size is. There was a moment in season one where Molly dates this guy named Jared and she finds a few issues with him that 
in retrospect, are very nitpicky and just not very empathetic, which is what you were saying. Firstly, she has issue with the fact that he did not go to college. We talked about earlier, Issa and Molly went to Stanford. So there's a little bit of that complex, I think, that she has around like who her man is and like how they present. And then she just cannot get over the fact that I guess Jared had a sexual encounter with another man back in the day. Something happened and he's not gay. He's not interested in having another experience with a man, but she was really turned off by that and she ended it. And she looks back later on in the show and I think she's able to understand how trivial some of her concerns were. But in those moments, she truly felt like she was doing the right thing. Do you feel like for you, when you've been dating, I know you said you're kind of split between the two in terms of like romantic characteristics, but do you feel like there have been moments where you sort of maybe judge a little too quickly or judge a book by its cover? Talk to me about that if you have any experience there. Oh gosh, I absolutely have. And I think I get like the worst parts of Molly and the funny parts of Issa, but Definitely. I have been so quick to judge. And even now, like I'm still honestly unlearning that. And again, by such small things like, okay, hide or, you know, people acting or doing things the way that I would expect them to, which is is so small. I don't know. There's just the tiniest things that I find myself like nitpicking at. The funny thing about Molly is that she starts off too. I, I remember in the first season talking about like clinginess. This guy's too distant. This guy is too all over me. This guy, um, you know, said one wrong thing. But I think after like watching the show again, especially knowing that that was an issue that I had coming into watching the show this time, I think it's really nice to also know that at the end of it, Molly does eventually learn to love someone and and take someone for like their faults and really learn to love someone like as the person because I know you know she ended up with Torian and I feel like for me it was nice to see that there's just some things that you have to overlook and there's definitely things she overlooked with Torian when it came to like obviously their first engagement they didn't start off as romantic interests to one another at all But I think just allowing that to happen naturally, or at least it showed me that allowing things to happen naturally, um, letting people kind of just be who they are, learning to love them that way versus like trying to build a guy, which I know she was kind of doing in the beginning, or at least trying to find the perfect guy in the beginning, which just didn't work out. So I resonate a lot in that in that sense that she was making all those judgments, but it was nice to see at the end of it. She pulled together. She pulled together. (laughs) I'd say that's like probably her biggest arc in the show is over the course of five seasons, learning to just like kind of take things as they come and not immediately judge or assume who a person is or what how the situation is going to play out. And I think Torian, the man that she ends up getting married to, who initially is just her coworker, and she admittedly has like a bit of an adversarial relationship with, they have some tension at work. It's like the epitome of what it means to just like let a situation unfold, like you were saying. I think Torian is the first 
instance in which she really lets her partner's actions just speak for themselves. And she was able to see him be there for her in really like pivotal moments of her life. Like when her mother passed, he was there for her at that time and really embraced her. I think she realized like that's what's the most important thing to me. I don't need you to be six foot three or drive this car. Not to say he was driving a lemon. He wasn't. But there were all of these things that she was suddenly able to overlook, like you said, because he gave her what she needed, which was true, unconditional love. And it was a pleasure to watch her grow out of all of these expectations and assumptions about what love should look like and coming into what love is for her. I think that's a great point, even to just touching on her own family. I remember, you know, she finds out her parents' marriage, she, something that she idolized so much that her parents cheated on each other. Or I think it was her dad actually cheated on her mom. And you see Molly react in such a, you know, huge way. I think it was her parents' vow renewal. And it just struck her by surprise. And I think since she idled the marriage so much, just understanding that the expectations of love aren't black and white. I think that was like the first curve for her when she really started to embrace that and understand that. And I think after that, because then, you know, she gets with Andrew, she, you know, she has or has the experience with Drew, and then gets with Andrew and then eventually Torian. I think after that curve with her family, that's when she kind of realizes like, oh, yeah, relationships, they're, it's a lot more complex than what we think. Wow, I totally forgot about that. Because that was like a watershed moment for her. As long as she was able to feel confident in the fact that like they never had any major issues and that their love just happened so naturally, she was able to, I guess, hold that idea in her mind that she was going to have that exact same thing. And then realizing that that is not real. The, the picture that she had in her mind was a lot more muddled and complicated than she gave it credit for. I think in the long run, definitely helped her, which you alluded to. And I think it allowed her to realize, like, if it works for them, that's cool. That's not necessarily what I want. I'm going to have something that works for me. And it may not work for everybody. There's no metric for something that works for everybody. And I think she really finally let go of that, which was really dope. Now, what I was saying a little bit earlier about her releasing all of the shoulds, of romance, that kind of made me think of an interesting question that I wanted to pose to you. In both of us, there's a bit of that spirit of like how things maybe should be or how things should go romantically and just in life. And I wanted to ask you, like, as you're getting older and as you've watched the show and grown up in that time, what is your relationship to the shoulds in life at this point? Are you still pretty attached to that mindset or? Where are you at with that? I I mean, that is such, that's a great question. Also a little bit of a loaded question. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on with that. <laughs> no, no, but um, when you bring up the question, I, I thought about how we spoke initially too about how this show, one, because of the time that it came in my life, but also the time that we're at in our lives and being able to rewatch it is just so valuable because you actually see these characters go through so many things and you know we're graduating college we're trying to get our lives started and it's so nice to see like a show showcase just the realities of growing up being an adult in all different aspects like professional relationship family 
they're in their late 20s going into 30s and we're in our early 20s. So being able to watch that and know like, okay, life's going to be okay. Life can end up okay, regardless of, you know, the unknown and, and the expectations that we might set for ourselves. Things can still work out. You just have to, one, trust, and then also to just let life play out a little bit. Because you're so right. We definitely are the people to have certain expectations and want to reach certain goals, you know, have certain ideals for ourselves. So yeah, I think us watching this show is amazing in the sense that we actually see that things go uphill, downhill, and that it's real. Like you can still end up at the end of it all feeling great about yourself and no longer insecure. Ha ha ha. I think that this show did a really good job at demonstrating that there is no one path to becoming secure. Issa and Molly in particular live their lives in very different ways. And a big turning point for them is allowing the other to just live their life as they see fit. And I think that's when you start to see them start to thrive and come into who they truly were meant to be and, and their happiest selves when they eased up on each other and were like, okay, your life shouldn't necessarily be this way that I see for you. It's the way that you need it to be for yourself. Yeah, that's such a great point. Because I didn't even think about how, at least for me, when I was watching the show, a lot of my understanding of the show's portrayal of like shoulds, one obviously came from Molly and her expectations, but then also Issa's expectations of dating. I only thought about it in a dating lens. But you're so right. When they had the huge fights, nine times out of 10, it was because they didn't like how the other person did something. Like they would have done it different or they're just judging. See, actually making that point is amazing. Because <laughs> it, it does also, you know, speak to the show's main theme, their friendship. I know it's so easy because obviously they go through relationships, dating, and whatnot to hook on to that part of the show. But definitely the friendship is one of the major parts. And not only are the should expectations in the relationship part, but more so actually within their relationships with each other. I was going to mention how I think it, Issa had all these expectations for you know who she wanted to be in the beginning or who she thought she was. And then Molly, too, as well. I would say not as much so as Issa, but it's definitely a, a theme within the show of just expectations, whether it be for significant others, friends, or your person, like yourself in your life. Well, let's get into both of those topics, because I think you're right. You can get into the relationships, and I think that that was a really big part of this show. But where I feel like Insecure at least tried to strike a good balance and I think fared better than some of its peers in like the sort of girl group show world. Think of like Sex in the City or Girlfriends, there's Girls. And now I think probably the latest one that a lot of people watch is Sex Lives of College Girls. Insecure does a really good job of like having the romantic side of things and giving us that to chew on, but also having their core friendship being a central element of what makes Insecure. How would you characterize Issa and Molly's friendship throughout the show? So talk to us about how it is at the beginning and then contrast it with how you interpret it towards the end of the show. I know in the beginning, their relationship, 
I mean, looked great, but obviously toward the end of the first season, you see them, you know, fighting with each other because Molly's not happy with how Issa lived her life when it came to dating and, and vice versa. It's a reoccurring theme that both of the friends bring up, you know, certain issues that they have in their dating lives, but it's also issues tied to themselves. Because I remember, you know, Issa bringing up the judging and, and how she's always trying to find the perfect partner, but at the same time, that was kind of what Molly was doing to Issa and, and just having expectations for her. I think you see that constantly throughout the show. And then as they get to that last season, obviously rebuilding their friendship. Well, you see them, you know, break down and rebuild their friendship a bunch of times. And I think that also speaks to the friendship theme. Even when you're in your late 20s, your best friend who you've had for so long, you're still going to get into fights. You're still going to take some time apart. You never really know. So I think the show does amazing at showcasing what friendships are and what they look like from a long-term perspective. You brought up a really excellent point about how the show like has romantic figures in their lives, but I think they ultimately serve the purpose of showing these two characters' patterns and the ways that they generally approach these situations. A lot of these men that come in the show are less important than what they reflect back to Issa and Molly. For Molly, it's showing that she's very particular and maybe doesn't actually know what she actually needs in a romantic partner. She just knows what she should want. And for Issa, I don't know. What do you think? What is reflected back to her? I think it's, I guess, a little bit of not knowing what she wants either, because I feel like... In the beginning, you know, she had high expectations of Lawrence, obviously knowing that things weren't going well. She always wanted something that she didn't have, I felt like. So it was a little bit of that same having expectations for for what their significant other person should be like. Because even when she was with Nathan, I feel like she didn't really know exactly what she wanted to get out of it, per se. I, I know there was a pattern with Issa, too. And I think Molly had pointed that out, actually, that she did not know what she wanted when it came to her career, Lawrence. I think that's Issa's issue there, that she just didn't know what she wanted. And I guess to connect it back to their relationship as friends, Issa and Molly, what I really liked about their evolution, their start as friends in season one versus the breakdown of their relationship in season four, where really a lot of issues that they have with each other start to resurface and there's no avoiding it now. It's just like a series of events that happen that just sort of chip away at this veneer of what their relationship has been for 10 plus years. And then season five, where they realize that this is a friendship, this is a connection that they would like to hold on to and actually putting in the work and the effort to rebuild their connection and come back even stronger. It was cool to see how they started, uh, like I was saying earlier, judging just less about what the other person was doing, what they were thinking. And I guess they just were embracing coming into a new phase of their relationship and realizing that the person that they met when they were 18 is not the same person that they now see before them as 30, 31, 32. This makes me wonder for you, how do you feel about the whole topic of outgrowing friends or trying to come into new dynamics with friends that you've had for a long time? Some of the growing pains that come along with that. Do you have experiences with what that feels like? Talk to me about that. 
Yeah, I I definitely can resonate with that. We had talked about this too. I, I had a friend who I was really close with in high school and all of a sudden, just with no, you know, solid reason, we had a you know, falling off. But then, you know, we reconnected a few years later and, and we've been super close friends ever since. And I think it's a experience that I feel like a lot of people can relate to. I mean, even us went through kind of that disconnection, reconnection. But I think there's value in that. It one, I think it makes you appreciate the person more. I know when I first hopped on a call with you after not seeing you since graduation probably, it was such a nice feeling. But it makes me also too appreciate our friendship more because wow, despite us not talking for so long, we still were able to maintain that connection with Issa and Molly and, and their breakups and, and reconnections. It's really telling to not how you keep a long relationship, but it is a huge part of it. And it's just a natural part of it. I feel like all of the longer term friendships that I've had, we always have some kind of not necessarily disconnection, but time apart. It helps us come together, want to appreciate each other, but also just make the relationship stronger. I think that was really profound what you said about like you sort of needing those moments of disconnection or the ebb to the flow of a relationship. I think that's something that I've come into over the past few years, because I used to think that, yeah, this is somebody that you're best friends with for all these years. There's no reason why you should be having these moments where you're just like in real discord with one another and you can't get along or you can't understand each other. And as I've gotten older and I've had situations, you know, either like ours, where it was nothing like bad, there was no beef. It just naturally happened that distance or in other situations where there was genuine animosity and just pent up issues. I guess I just realized that that's kind of normal within reason, you know, kind of what you were saying. It's going to happen on some level. You're going to feel like our connection is not the same as it was when we met all those years ago. There's something about accepting that and just like making peace with it and finding where you guys can both exist as your most current selves. I, I've had a friend in particular where we had to really sit with each other and be like, oh my God, we're not like 13 anymore. Who are you, Loki? And it's been a lovely journey of figuring out who they are now and letting them into who I am. And it's been like a lot more fulfilling, but it's weird. And we get to see that between Issa and Molly as the seasons progress. Issa is becoming more confident and self-assured in who she is professionally, romantically, personally. And Molly is starting to understand her flaws and where her expectations can lead her into a path that she wasn't hoping to go down. And she's starting to make real practical changes. She's going to therapy. Like she's really trying to make things better for herself. And initially, I think their main issue was that they weren't able to see that we're really changing this time. You see them go through patterns in the first few seasons where it's like, okay, okay, she's going for her self-care walk, whatever. She's going to be back on her same BS later. But there's a moment where it's like, oh no, these characters are really changing, but they're not able to see that that's what's happening. And they think this is another cycle, another pattern for the both of them. That's a really great point. I think Tying it back to what we talked about, one, how the show showcases really real, real emotions, but two, how it relates to those other, you know, girl group shows how that showcase different friendships, you know, like girlfriends, sex and city, etc. 
Insecure does a really good job at showcasing how their issues with each other showcase flaws within themselves. I think we get these shows that aren't as fleshed out as the characters in Insecure. We really, really see how these experiences actually affect them as individuals. Comparing it to Sex and the City or Girlfriends, I feel like they have their flaws, they have their fights, but then it's kind of back to normal. Like it's not as deeply, you know, ingrained into the show. It's not showing up as a reoccurring theme, or it's just not as significant as other parts of the show that they choose to highlight. But Insecure, I feel like, does a really good job at just honestly touching on so many parts of themselves as individuals, but relaying all of that back to their friendship. Well, I think what you're getting at is that this show, unlike its predecessor, like its spiritual predecessor, I would say is Girlfriends in particular, because that features friendships between Black women in particular. Insecure shows us really fleshed out three-dimensional Black female characters. Even in its seven years since it started airing in 2016, it's done wonders for I think showing executives that, first of all, there's a market for it. We want to see lived-in experiences of Black women, and they don't either need to be a model minority or a total fuck-up. They can be anywhere in that gradient. Like, we will watch it. And you can maybe speak to this more than I can, but I think we can see ourselves in these characters maybe more than the characters that we saw in Girlfriends or in Sex and the City. I think a lot of that is owed to Issa Rae, the creator of the show, and also uh, the main character. And then also HBO. It offers a platform where you can get a little bit more explicit when it comes to like character development and storytelling. And so I think that that also helped give a lot of room for these characters to become who we have all loved and come to know today. What do you think about particularly these characters being Black and being so fully fleshed out? I I definitely think it's what sets the show apart from so many other shows. It's just the, the realness of these characters in just living as a Black person. I think a lot of times, you know, the shows that are out there, you know, in the past, obviously have really great characters, great storylines, great comedy. But I think this is maybe one of the first times where a show really, you know, just takes the time to develop Black characters in a way that's so realistic and also too just diverse. I mean, so different than the typical ways that Black people are portrayed, whether it be like certain stereotypes or things like that. Like this show just showcases real black people which is is so refreshing to see walking through their lives throughout the show it's it's nice because you know obviously there's a huge storyline but there's not any like one dramatic event or few dramatic events that are going on where I feel like some movies or tv shows it's like there's something that we're holding on to where this is them living their life this is their music this is their culture this is their natural comedy too the way that they do comedy in this show we were saying how it just doesn't even sound scripted a lot of the times it just feels like conversations we have with our friends so just to see that and have it be done so well even to to the point of the music and how that is so real and, and timely and just relating to black culture too in present day it's just all done so well and so so thought out by Miss Issa Rae 
What you're saying, it makes me think of like other, especially modern Black shows, Black sitcoms in particular. Yes. I think of Blackish, which is a show that like I like. You know what I mean? I, I laughed. I cried. You know, I did all that with the characters. They were funny and entertaining. But there's something that feels very like focus groupy. I don't know the like, right okay, word. this is, I don't know the right word for it either. It's just like. I think we all kind of know. <laughs> I just don't feel like it portrays the same kind of, for lack of better terms, realness. I mean, I keep saying it, but it, it's true. Like not only just emotionally, but like we see ourselves in these characters. And I think that's why this show is such a hit because it's the understanding of LA culture. It's the understanding of certain black jokes that may be geographical. I think we touched on that too, about specifically, you know, being a black person living in LA and having a certain cultural understanding there and seeing those jokes in the show or those, you know, themes or topics we brought up or even locations we brought up in the show makes it feel so real and relatable and just, again, done in a way that blackish, I totally get what you're saying. I don't even know what the word is for it, but it's just, it doesn't portray or have the same weight that Insecure does. If I were to put a, try to put a word on it, it would be like contrived, like Blackish feels curated in a very particular way to be like presenting mm -hmm. the Black experience to non-Black people. That's, That's what it. I would say. That you know what I mean? That's it. As I was saying it, I was like, damn, that was, that was profound. That's but it. it's true. And you think about where Blackish was aired, which is ABC a major network, they had to keep in mind that like, okay, yeah, we're going to represent black people, but our primary audience is going to be probably white people. So we have to make it palatable and understandable to a certain degree to the majority audience. From a logistical standpoint, I completely understand. But I think with Insecure being on HBO, it allowed Issa Rae as a creator and, you know, I'm sure all the writers on the show to just get a lot more authentic and grounded and down to earth. And I don't admire a lot of celebrities, but somebody that I've always admired is Issa Rae because I just feel like she gets it in a way that a lot of other celebrities don't. And I hate to get in my parasocial bag, but I'm just like, I feel like I would be friends with her because it feels like despite all of her success and her fame and her notoriety, she is still... Issa from LA. And I think that's reflected in the show. The show really does feel like a love letter to Los Angeles Absolutely. and some of the shots that they get and the locations, like you were saying, that, that they shoot in. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is from somebody that understands what Black culture in LA is. Yeah, both of us came to LA as Black people, but we were not from LA. So I think it was an interesting show to watch because as I'm living here and becoming more integrated into this culture, I'm kind of seeing the show in a whole new light and understanding the heart that this show comes with and what Issa comes with. Yeah. And I think that's why this show is a love letter to LA, a love letter to her city and just a real testament to her experiences. I think how she wrote it or how she put this show together feels from the heart, feels from personal experience or emotions. And I think that's why everything gets translated so well to her audience, because it's authentic. It's her. On this topic, though, of how Black culture, Black life is represented in the show, 
I'm curious to know like your perspective on where you fit in to black culture. And and I know black culture is not a monolith. We're all very different and there's regional differences. It depends on where maybe you went to even like school or something like that can impact your quote unquote black experience. But like, where did you see yourself fitting into that growing up? And where do you see that for yourself now? It took me a long time, at least when we were in college, to fully embrace and indulge in that. How would you characterize that for yourself? And how has it evolved over time? Yeah, no, I think I've been really, really grateful to be in communities and put myself too and you know, in college and whatnot, in communities and spaces where I felt so ingrained and so at home with culture, the people around me, Black culture. I think now even more so, you know, watching the show, that also too was something that I loved about the show is just that they portray Black culture in so many different aspects. Again, touching on the music, I think no show has such intentional music, I feel like. It's very intentional with Black popular culture. For me, this show really even holds more weight, I think, getting into the professional world and experiencing just a culture shock. Because like I said before, I was pretty ingrained in it. Um, So when watching the show, I felt really connected to it. Everything was handy dandy. And there were certain experiences where I might have not have felt or or paid attention to initially when watching the show, especially when they were developing Issa professionally, when they were developing Molly and Lawrence professionally. I feel like some of those experiences that they had as a Black person in the workplace, those weren't experiences I really touched on yet because in college, I felt like I surrounded myself a lot with, you know, my community. So when watching the show now, being in a professional environment where obviously things are just different. You know, I do resonate with some of their experiences and in, in knowing that it's nice to have friends and community to come back to that still make you feel like home. But also to just in terms of Black popular culture, I think the small talk that Issa and, and Molly would have just as friends or the, like the phrase, whether it be like the phrases that they make with each other or that they say to each other, just like the banter. I really connected to that. And I think that's also too why I love the show because it's like the script is amazing. And it doesn't even sound scripted. Like I said, it feels like a conversation that I've had before. So yeah, definitely, definitely love that part of the show. Well, I want to touch on what you were mentioning just a little bit before, which is Molly and Issa's professional journey. Because, you know, relationships are a big part of the show, both romantic and platonic. But we also see them grow and shift and get frustrated with their like work lives. I felt connected to the show in the sense of like, I didn't have a full-time job or anything like that when I started watching Insecure, but I did go to a primarily white institution or primarily non-Black institution, I should say. So I could relate to both of their experiences of like, maybe being the only Black person in the classroom or in that space, right? Like, having to be the voice for all of the Black people because there's nobody else there. So you have to be the delegate, I guess. Nobody elected me, but I guess this is the capacity that I'm in right now. Like I felt their pain and their anxiety 
about being that person. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about how you view both of their journeys work-wise, because they're very different, but they're both very integral to each of these characters' journeys. What is the role that work plays in Insecure, and how do you think it illuminates more about what you said, Molly? I definitely resonate with Molly in in her experiences. I remember her trying to woo her, you know, her coworkers, try to connect with them and relate to them in a way that she wouldn't connect with maybe Issa or the Black community in general. So that experience of still wanting to connect with your coworkers in some way, shape, or form, making the the genuine effort to, but sometimes knowing that they just might not understand you on the other end, even though you make the time and effort to try to understand them. It's definitely a feeling that I I can relate to with Molly. And then with Issa, I think, like you said, just being supposedly, you know, the person who's supposed to have the answer to any like diversity related question, even though that's not necessarily what you signed up for. And I think also, too, there's a little bit of humor in that throughout the show. I think watching Issa, we got y'all was hilarious. Talk to us about like what what was her work? What is what was she asked to do like at the beginning of the show? Yes. So I remember when she was asked to like create an idea for for the kids and and what they think that, you know, the kids should do in terms of like, I think it was a field day or something like that. And they were thinking of doing something sports related or, you know, something that subscribed to stereotypical standards for what a black person could be or, or wants to be or whatever. And Issa ended up having the idea of going to the beach. And I think no one else in that group would have understood, you know, why would she choose that? But I also think that's a testament to just the overall premise of the show of people not understanding or not taking a look at Black life just for Black life and Black, you know, experiences. So her taking those kids to the beach, I think, was kind of a highlighter foreshadowing for what the entire show really showcases but just a funny experience because they have no idea like when coworkers or, or folks around you make certain suggestions sometimes it comes with the best intentions and I feel like Lisa's coworkers, for the most part were just a bit ignorant you know and but did have good intentions overall hence I would assume that's why they're there but yeah I think it's in, it's an experience that a lot of folks have in the professional world being black Yeah. And for context, for folks that haven't seen the show, Issa works at this sort of nonprofit organization called We Got Y'all. And it's all about trying to help underserved kids. So they primarily work with black and brown students and like they have after school activities. It's sort of meant to uh, be a retention program. So keep kids in the schools and actively engage with each other and, you know, positive authority figures which in theory is like a really good concept. And I've been to after-school programs that have a similar goal. But what's interesting about Issa's setup is that she is the only Black person, really probably the only person of color, working at this program that's meant to serve Black and brown kids especially. So it's just this weird contradiction of being the only person in that space that has a firsthand account for what these kids might need or how they might feel most valued. And that example that you gave a little bit uh, ago about 
ISA deciding, you know what, we're not going to create another sports program for these kids. We're going to go to the beach because her friend Molly had told her that she hadn't gone to the beach until she went to college. That's a very common experience. Let's see. I maybe went to the beach when I was a kid, like a little, little kid, but I didn't remember it. And the next time I went, I was 18. I think what you were getting at is that Issa had just a more intimate understanding of like what would actually be meaningful to these kids, exposing them to experiences and opportunities that they never had access to before. And you're right. It's a foreshadowing for how Issa's character develops professionally because she goes from working at this nonprofit to developing her own company that is all focused on curating experiences for the Black Los Angeles community and getting them more invested in culture and music and art and all of these things that we as Black people are not always encouraged to to see the value in. You know what I mean? I think there's a lot of denouncing our culture and the things that we love as far as music and media is concerned. And she really wanted to combat that. So long-winded answer, but I think that it was cool to see her start in a space where she was the only Black person and felt very unseen and unheard in a lot of moments to then being the leader in a space of a lot of Black people and a lot of people of color. Also something interesting too about her making that transition, she shows it in a way that is imperfect because I remember she won this opportunity to put on a show and she had won, she had featured, you know, a black artist, but there was a certain way that, you know, the black artist wanted to portray, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I think but it was Crenshaw. Yes, Crenshaw. He wanted to portray his art in a certain way. And, you know, obviously because it's his art, but the, you know, the people who were sponsoring the event, you know, had certain modifications. They, they wanted, Crenshaw to make. So Issa trying to navigate that situation too, to appease the brand folks who are sponsoring the event, but also allow the Black community or, or Crenshaw in particular to showcase how he wanted to showcase his art. I just thought that was an interesting ending too, because I think it came toward the end of the season, but I think it was interesting because it we see Issa grow and, and succeed in these last few seasons. With amazing events, things go great. But that Crenshaw instance also kind of showcases how it's not perfect. And also getting into these spaces where you are helping to showcase Black culture, it's really complicated the higher you get. Yeah, I think that was a really cool storyline that comes towards the end, you're right. And it got real about as you start to get a little bit higher and a little bit higher, you may be dealing with folks that don't understand your vision and that don't have the same personal connection to the work that you're doing. So Issa, you know, being a Black person living in LA, she understood intimately where Crenshaw was coming from and the vision that he wanted to express in his art. But she had to answer to all of these people that are really just focused primarily on money and like feasibility and all of the logistical aspects that are pretty far removed from the art. I don't know. I, I don't know that I have any personal experience with that. Maybe you do, but it felt very organic and like it could happen in your real life as you sort of work up the ladder of professional success, dealing with people that are very different from you and don't have the same experiences. 
what do you do? You feel like you're split between two worlds. That's how it felt for Issa, I imagine. It's almost like a full circle moment because if you go back to We Got Y'all and when she was working there, I feel like she tried to please everyone that she was working with. Even when sometimes her coworkers were just, you know, completely ignorant to certain things, weren't treating her right, but she always still at the end of the day tried to please everyone, even though sometimes in her heart she knew there was a better way to tend to these kids or there's a better way to, there's a better way to go about things. And she she knows it too, but she was kind of juggling the people that she's working for and the people that she's working with. Well, I think it brings up a really interesting conversation about like, I think in the Black community, there's been a long running sentiment or, or just idea of selling out and losing touch with your Blackness and who you truly are deep down, you know what I'm saying? And who's held you down the whole time, you know, as you get more successful professionally. That's just been a long running theme for for a lot of us. And it's represented in a lot of our media. And Insecure is no different. I want to ask you, do you feel like there's ever been instances for you as you've been developing professionally where you had to contend with that? Like, am I being true to who I am as a Black woman? Am I betraying certain parts of myself? Would people be proud of me? People from my community? Talk to me about that. That's a really good point. Um, I feel like right now I'm navigating the professional world in a way that I've never had to before. Like I said, I, I was really intentional with surrounding myself with my own community, especially in college, like you mentioned, going to a predominantly, you know, white institution. So you know, I had the pleasure of working with an all black staff for about what, three or four years in college. And so I felt really close to them, felt really close to my community. And now I, I work in also a predominantly white space. And so I'm kind of dealing with that emotion of like, am I selling myself out? I was such a woman for my community and I still am, but it's also, you know, I have bills to pay. I have things, you know, that I, I need to do. And, and you know, <laughs> this job yeah. helps me do that. I guess there aren't certain behaviors that I'm not proud of, but it's more so just, am I sticking true to, to tending to my community because I'm so used to that and always putting my community and social ideology first. So coming into an environment, especially a corporate environment, which I am so not used to, I, I do feel not like a sellout, but I just don't feel myself sometimes. And to watch the show at this point in my life, I think I can really resonate with how Issa may have been feeling or even Molly too, when she was working with the law firm in LA and a lot of her coworkers were white, had different jokes, had different interests as well. I I really, really resonate with that. And that wasn't something that I felt or experienced when originally watching. Absolutely. And I think the show, to its credit, demonstrates how you can be in these spaces and you can just feel a little bit drained um, when you're not able to be your most authentic self. But that's why it's all the more important to have people and communities that you can come back to, like you were saying earlier, where you can just be your most true, real, Black self, oh, you know, yeah. or whoever, whatever yeah. your identity is, right? Like, you need to have something like that, where you can escape that structure that makes you feel like you have to be different. I 100%. I mean, there was a scene 
too in the first season, I think, with Lisa changing her tone of voice on the phone. The way that I, <laughs> you know, can flip flop back and forth sometimes, I think it's been in a way that I've never been able to in my life. Oh, the code switch. Oh. We're all too familiar with it, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> As we close out our discussion of all the themes and concepts and and things that I think we both come to appreciate about Insecure, one thing that we'd be remiss to not talk about in closing is like the timelessness of Insecure and how it feels so relevant to any period of our lives that we're in in some aspect. There's a point to be made about the fact that it's only seven years old so like it's still very current in the grand scheme of things but I think a lot has changed since the show originated and yet it still feels very of the moment to me and it feels like Mm -hmm. I can relate to it in some personal ways you know as we wrap up this section of the show I, I want you to maybe talk about the timelessness of the show and why you think it holds the space in young Black culture that it does and whether you think it'll continue. I definitely think it will. The best thing about Insecure, having watched it quite a few times, I think there's always something to pull from it, you know, especially like we touched on. There's so many things to talk about. Like we didn't even go into depth about all of these topics. There's just so much more to discuss. Every time you watch the show, there's something that you can focus on or pull from or really pay attention to that makes you appreciate it even more and really see how it's it's a work of art. It really is. It's so well fleshed out. It's so culturally relevant. It's so socially relevant. It just touches on so many things, especially within Black culture, but even outside of it. All of that just makes this show so, so valuable for whoever decides to watch it. I love that. And I'm so glad that Issa Rae took this opportunity upon herself to capture so much of what it means to me to be a Black person living here in in LA and trying to make things work and sort of battling that little voice in your head that tells you you can't do it and saying, I know why you're there, little voice in my head. I know you're not really trying to thwart my success. But I have to turn you down a little bit because I I know what's out there for me. And I know that one day I will feel secure. I'm so grateful that she had the opportunity to show what that journey was like for one person, because I think we all see that reflected within ourselves. All right. Well, with that being said, thank you so much, Alexa, for coming on to Retrospection Connection. You've been so warm and kind and engaging not only about Insecure, but just about the concept of even being on the show and lending your thoughts and your perspective. And it means so much as somebody that's just coming into their creative identity to have people that they love and care about embrace it wholeheartedly. So I appreciate you and I I thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Jalen. I know this is the first of potentially more conversations on and off the mic. And like you said in the beginning, a great way to reconnect. It's been so, so, so awesome to reconnect with you, especially on a topic that means so much to both of us. I couldn't agree more. 
Now we're going to hop right into ad break, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Retrospection Connection and specifically ad break. So as you know, if you're an avid listener, ad break is all about asking my guests the questions that get them to think about their relationship to themselves, their relationship to media, and just so that we can get to know my guests a little bit better. So with that being said, Alexa, are you ready? Oh, yes. I've been ready. (laughs) All right. Let's get into it. Question one. What's something that you're doing that's allowing you to feel more like a kid again? I've actually been trying new ways to to work out, get my little exercise in. But I used to dance when I was a kid. I used to dance competitively. So I, like when I get home from work, sometimes I'm all alone at home. So I just turn on the TV and I will teach myself like a dance section, you know, that I just find on YouTube. It's been so refreshing because one, I haven't danced, I feel like, in a million years. And then also, too, it just brings out a side of my personality that I feel like I don't get in touch with as much. You know, I can be super sassy and sexy and big in personality. Like, I can, I'm very sweet and can be quiet and, and timid sometimes. But it definitely showcases a part of my personality that I'm. You know, I completely forget about the the sassy, puffy-haired kid that I see in all these childhood photos. So it's it's totally brought me back to my younger self and also aside myself, I I really miss. Oh my God. I never knew that you dance. And I think that is so cool that you're allowing yourself now with the agency that you have as an adult to like dip back into that. Because now that you say it, I'm like, you're absolutely a dancer. And I can totally see it for you. I hope nothing more than that you keep doing that. Even if it just stays between you yourself, like keep having those moments. I I think you're onto something there and I'm I'm really proud of you. Thanks, Jalen. I actually want to ask you the question, what are you doing that kind of brings you back to your childhood self? Hmm. Thank you for asking, by the way. Um, I think only one other person asked me um, this question back to me in a previous episode. And at that time I said singing, um, which is absolutely something that I've reconnected to on a personal level. But I think it's important for me to share that with people in the future. I can't say when, but at some point. But to give a different answer, I think maybe related to this podcast even. I, as a kid, I loved going on Wikipedia and just like learning all of these random trivial facts about like media, like whether it be TV shows, movies, music artists, like just all these little factoids. Like that would totally just light me up. Like I would know when that's a raven premiere 2003 why do i need to know that january 17th 2003 like why do i know these specific dates i don't know why i guess now that i'm doing this podcast i understand a little bit better why i had those interests so now doing retrospection connection it feels like i'm integrating that part of myself that has been with me since i was a little kid into something that feels meaningful and I'm, I'm able to bring my friends like you into that world and seeing how you guys are interested in it too it it's been really healing so yeah I, I think that's something that I'm doing that's making me feel like a kid again 
I love that. I didn't know that you did that, like searched up Wikipedia facts, but it actually makes a lot of sense because you, you're just so knowledgeable about media. And I, I honestly, I remember when you posted that you created this podcast, I was like, this is the most Jalen thing to sit down and talk about movies and TV shows, but I love it. Like I knew this is, this is going to be a hit just because of the discourse that we have had about Love Island. I like, I know this is going to be good, but yeah, no, you're so knowledgeable about me and I, I love that. Thank you. Oh my God, you're going to make me blush and I'm black. I can't even blush like that. So, all right. Question two, what's a lesson that you've learned through media that you're grateful to have learned and have taken with you after watching it? Ooh, I think the lesson that I've learned from media is that you'll be okay in the end. I have the tendency to to worry about things I can't control, you know, want to know what's going on in my life or what will happen in the future, even though, you know, it's kind of unpredictable, you have no control over it. But a lot of the shows I've watched, I feel like have that conclusion where, you know, a character just goes through all these ups and downs, but at the end, you know, they end up being okay. I mean, my two fa- like top t- favorite TV shows, Insecure and Sex and the City, I feel like are great examples of that. There's just so much that goes on in both of those TV shows. But at the end, they end up being okay. Like, they're happy. Like, things change. Life goes on. And it's it's about the journey, not the destination. Oh, that's impactful. And I think a through line between those two shows, both of which I'm covering on Retrospection Connection, by the way, a sentiment that I take away from both of those shows is that things will be okay as soon as you embrace your own particular path and release all of the expectations for how things should go, like what we were talking about in the interview. Like, I think that's a really big part of what you're saying. Like, things will be okay. And you'll find your quote-unquote happy ending in time, but it may not look like what you envisioned it towards the beginning. Okay, one more question. You got that in you? Oh, yes. Hit me. What's something that your younger self needs to hear right now, whether it was the version of you that was watching Insecure or a different iteration of your younger Alexa? What is important for them to know and hear from you where you're at now? Oh, I think I would tell my younger self, just stop and look where you are now and enjoy it. Kind of going back to the other point, I sometimes fixate so much on, you know, the future, the past, things just out of your control. Like, I would so tell my younger self, just just stop and look where you know how far you've come i'm definitely a type a person i'm always chasing something too which doesn't help so i never stop and kind of just smell the roses enjoy my accomplishments my challenges and my perseverance through them or just life i definitely tell that to you my yourself i think that is so apt i think now maybe we've been through a few major life markers where we realize that hey you're only going to experience this once so like 
really feel it and be here in this moment because it's not going to come around again in this exact same way. Well, I think it's the time to say goodbye, my love. Once again, thank you endlessly for your support and your wisdom, your insight. Jalen, ah, stop. I could cry. Ah, no, I would She's crying. She's really doing it, guys. You can't see it, but I'm crying. But, um, no. (laughs) I would love to be back. It's been such a pleasure. This definitely reminds me of our, like, hour, two hours long conversations talking about who knows what. It's been such a pleasure, and we'll definitely be in touch. Podcast or not, we will be in touch for sure. Thank you so much. All right, my love. Bye. Bye.